persuasive portrait of one of the most famous of Jesus' acts, raising Lazarus from the dead. Bible readers remember that Lazarus had been a dear friend of Jesus, and the scriptures say Jesus loved him and his entire family. When news reached Jesus of Lazarus' condition, his heart was sorrowful. He wept inwardly and outwardly. And despite the bad news, he kept confidence that Lazarus would be raised. Despite the woeful lament, the news calls for those who loved and knew Lazarus, Jesus quietly assured his disciples and Lazarus' family that a great thing would soon happen. Jesus knew that he would raise Lazarus because he loved him and understood that his mission of convincing others of his power would be partially fulfilled by this act. There were fellow Jews who needed to be assured of the truth and the power of miracles. There were those disciples who lived with Jesus, ate with Jesus, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, and cried with him who still were not convinced but needed to be told of the power and promise of his purpose. There were those bystanders, the naysayers, and the dream slayers. They were there also. There was prophets of doom and gloom who had written him off as some imposter who was dispensing medicinal cures to the blind and lame through some superficial sorcery associated with the demonic. There were princes and clerics who doubted his claim to authority, scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees who had written him off as a poor, homeless preacher. Jesus' raising of Lazarus would send them scurrying for cover. They would see and hear and finally be convinced that he was both Lord and liberator of the people of God. The despised, the rejected, the hemmed in, and the hung up, the homeless, the hapless, the hopeless, and the heartless would all be convinced that his power was one which came from on high, which could not be vanquished or diminished by the political and religious powers of his time, which could not be snuffed out by the sinister cynicism of spiritual wannabes and social gonabes. Jesus is Lord. And his raising of Lazarus drove home the fact to those in power so that they plotted all the more to crucify him. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But now we got to stick pins there because this is just where we begin. For just as he raised the dead yesterday, he can still raise the dead today. <clears throat> For there are those living today who are like the living dead. 
There was a movie out some time ago, and perhaps you remember it. The title of the movie was Dead Men Walking. They have lost a zeal and a zest for living and for life. Their souls no longer revived by the fresh springs of living water. They have submerged themselves in the still, stinking, stagnant stench of depression and discouragement, and they no longer live life with hope, with joy, and the resurrection spirit. They are spiritually dead, the emotionally dead, the relationally dead, the vocationally dead, the psychologically dead, those who have died to even the possibilities of life. Understand, please, that God will never judge a person for where they are. But he will judge them for where they refuse to come. And while we're talking about death, we need to completely try to cover the subject and be reminded that some things need to die. Amen. Jesus performed no funerals, only resurrections. And here in John 11, Jesus resurrects Lazarus. He raises him up and brings him out of the tomb by saying, Lazarus, come forth. Look how personal he is. He calls him by name. And if you will listen real carefully tonight, you just might hear him calling your name. God has a resurrection for you. Would you do me a favor and tell your neighbors a neighbor? God has a resurrection for you. Amen. For today in 2017, God is looking for people who understand who they are. God is looking for people who have discovered why God has placed them in the earth. God is looking for people who have discovered their purpose. And purpose ignites passion. Amen. Amen. Every sinner has a past. Every saint has a future. And God is looking for people who are enthusiastic, amen, about serving the law. Please be minded that enthusiasm is not what you put on. Amen. Enthusiasm is what you let out. Amen. And so my brothers and my sisters, God who is looking for people who have come alive. Amen. Amen. And so all of us need to find out what, what it is that makes us come alive. Amen. See, when you come alive, other people will come alive. Amen. And God wants to bring you out of that tomb, whatever it is, whatever it is that might be imprisoning you. He wants to set us free. 
And he has the power to do it. And if we will hear his call and respond in faith, he will raise us up and give us a new start. Amen. Amen. There are those who have given up on life. Somebody described life as a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. But that's not life. Amen. Unfortunately, the truth is that many people have lost hope and developed a pessimism and hopelessness, which places them among the living dead. Amen. And I'm talking about church folk. Somebody criticized them. Somebody laughed at them. They tried it once and failed. And they have given up on their dreams, their visions, their aspirations that God birthed in their heart. And they lie buried in a graveyard of unfulfilled potential. Yet, it's still true that if the stone be removed, that they can still come out of the grave, throw off the grave clothes, dream another dream, and things that have died in you, God can bring back to life. Jesus raised Lazarus, and Jesus can raise us so that we can reclaim the experience of being alive. Now, don't think that because you've got a heartbeat and a pulse that you're living. Amen. 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 But if we will allow him, he can cause us to be filled with joy and enthusiasm for living unsurpassed. He can cause us to have a love of life that is infectious to those around you. And we should love life and live it to the limit. Amen. The prophet Ezekiel found himself confronted with dry, lifeless bones in the valley and was called upon to revive the dead bones. The question was asked, son of man, can these bones live? The text causes us to understand, yes, they can live. It is important to remember that Jesus raised Lazarus and Jesus can raise us. The greatest sin in life is not to fail. The greatest sin in life is to refuse to get up when you fail. Amen. When you have the opportunity, it is a great sin not to get up. There is right now in this room so much potential that if God was to manifest the potential in this room right now, we'd tear these walls down. Amen. There is so much that God has spoken within these walls all of these years that still remains unfulfilled. Right now, resting in this house, right now, I'm not talking about next week or tomorrow, right now in this house, the potential of God is here to do great and awesome things. Amen. Amen. But when we look at the text, when we look at the text, Pastor Venice, we discover 
that not only was the raising of Lazarus significant, but it was also those who observed the raising of Lazarus. Jesus does something that for years I missed in the text. After raising Lazarus and giving him new life, he now says to the people around him, take the grave clothes off and let him go. Amen. Now the text teaches us that we cannot raise people from the dead as Jesus did, but we can share in the deliverance of those who have been raised. Is there a witness here tonight? Amen. Amen. Death is in God's hands. He can say with power, come forth from your tomb. But deliverance is in our hands. Amen. Jesus says, I've done what I came to do. Now you get ready to do what I want you to do. You unbind him that he might live. Now, now this, is, this is important. This is important. He wants us to understand that where human power is sufficient, divine power will not be utilized. A amen. Amen. One more time. All right. He wants us to understand that where human power is sufficient, divine power will not be utilized. Amen. I want you to understand tonight that we have to realize that it is possible. I heard a preacher in Texas say this. It is impossible for us to become too dependent on God. Amen. Amen. We want, if, if, if God listened to us and did everything we wanted him to do, he'd be going to the grocery store, getting our groceries, filling our cars up with gas, washing the clothes, ironing the clothes. We want God to do everything. But God says, no, I'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But when it comes to those things that you can do for yourself, okay, then don't try to put that in my hands. Amen. 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 Now, I, I, I'm not suggesting... I, I'm not supporting this philosophy that we heard for years that God helps those who helps themselves. And, and I'm not offering up uh, the gospel as a support for this philosophy of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm not talking about that. Some folk didn't have boots nor straps. I'm not talking about that. Amen. But I am telling you that what we can do God will not do for us. Amen. And it just might be true that we can become too dependent upon God. Amen. Amen. A quick glance at the gospel confirms this fact. Peter and the fishermen had to go out into the sea as Jesus commanded them to do. 
says, I know you fished all night and caught nothing, but if you want to catch something, you're going to have to launch out into the deep. I'm not going to call all the fish up to the shore so you can just pick them up out of the water. If you want a successful fishing venture, launch out into the deep. Amen. And the Bible says a great load of fishes were enclosed in the net. Amen. The disciples witnessed Jesus take two fish, five loaves of bread, feed a multitude. But after that, Jesus told them, said, now get the baskets and gather up the fragments. Amen. Amen. He went to a wedding of Cana of Galilee. They came to him and told him that the wine has run out. And Jesus says, what has that to do with me? His mother said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Says, all right, if you all want some wine, there's some water pots over there. And there's some water down the road. Get the pots. Go fill up the pots with water, and there will be wine. Now, I can make the wine simply by speaking, but that's not what I'm going to do. You got some water pots, and there's the water. If you want wine, get up, get the pots, go fill them up, come back, and there will be wine. Amen. 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 The Bible says that there was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. She had an issue of blood and she wanted to be healed and she heard that Jesus was coming by. She said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. But Jesus did not take a detour to come to her house. She had to get in the crowd, get down on her knees and crawl until she touched the hem of his garment. I'm trying to get you to see that when God does his work, it then becomes upon us to do what we can. You see, there's always this strange combination of the natural and the supernatural. Amen. God uses both natural and supernatural means to accomplish his end. So now, first of all, the text shows us that God does not confuse the natural and the supernatural, the human and the divine. When God acts, he uses both. But one does not displace the other. In God's activity, they are used together. We are given power to participate in his redemptive action. Amen. It is the supernatural power of the word of God that changes and redeems people. Yes. Yet God uses our voice yes. to convey and proclaim that word. Yes. Amen. It's the supernatural grace and mercy of God that brings help 
to those who are distressed, comfort to the disappointed, relief to the sufferers, hope to the disillusioned, and joy to the sorrowing. Yet God uses our lives to carry that grace and that mercy to a needy world. Amen. A cup of cool water to the thirsty. A loaf of bread or a bag of rice to the hungry. That's human activities. But they divine, they also have a combination of divine proportions. Amen. And so my brothers and my sisters, you and I are called to a ministry of unbinding. Amen. You and I are called to a ministry of loosing folk and letting them go. I keep trying to remind you every time I come out here to tell you that when you come to church, get yours to go. Huh? Don't, 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 don't come in here and use it all up at new mission, jumping and shouting and praising and screaming and hollering and all of that. I guarantee you save a little bit for somebody out there on Ravina. Save a little bit for somebody on Madison Road. Save a little bit for somebody on your job. Save a little bit for those folk that you see wandering up and down the street. Stop them and tell them, listen, I serve a God. I serve a God who's in the resurrection business. And if you don't believe he can change your life, take me for example. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me tell you how he brought me out. Let me tell you how he lifted me up. You'd be surprised what I used to be. But the God that I serve turned my life around and gave me new life. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we are called to a ministry of unbinding. We are called to a ministry of loosing folk and letting them go because there are people all around us. Some of them live with us in our families. Some of them you work with every day on your job. Some of them you go to school with in the classroom. But there are people all around us who need the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. They need to hear Jesus say, come forth, come forth. And many who have come forth uh, are still bound in their grave clothes. We, we would have thought that the work was finished when Lazarus came out of the grave but there was still work to be done. He was out of the grave, true enough, but he was still bound in grave clothes. He was still wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in grave clothes. Amen. His clothing rendered his deliverance impotent. Amen. See, resurrection has to be succeeded by unraveling of those things that bind us. Amen. Amen. Now let me put it real plain. You remember that once you got saved, there was still some stuff you had to deal with. 
That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I know you're saved, but, but, you, but, but there was still some stuff that, that you had to deal with. Even after you got in the church, there was still some stuff that you had to deal with. There were still some things that were holding you and keeping you prisoner. Amen. And so many people who have been temporarily freed from a particular set of destructive habits, such as alcoholism, drug addiction, spousal abuse, marital infidelity, thievery, dis dishonesty, chronic low self-esteem, and self-doubt. Once you get saved, amen, you've been delivered. You know that once you get free, you got to fight to stay free. Amen. You know, you know that the devil didn't mark you off because you joined the church. Amen. He, he didn't say, well, that's it. Nothing else I can do with them. They've joined New Mission Sunday and nothing, nothing else I can do. No, the devil really doesn't care anything about you joining the church. As a matter of fact, he says, I'll go to church with you. He doesn't care anything about you joining the church. Amen. He's going to still fight. He's going to still come against you. He's going to still try to stop and block your progress. Even though you join the church, you still got to get the grave clothes off. Amen. Amen. And so, and so there are many, there are those who have not taken off the grave clothes of defeat, despair, disillusionment, and disbelief. It was not enough for Jesus to raise Lazarus. His grave clothes had to be taken off. And as it was for Lazarus, so it is for you and I. We've got to remove the grave clothes that bind us to life among the spiritually dead. We must first, therefore, first remove the grave clothes of disbelief. Amen. Many people have experienced the resurrecting, liberating, saving power of God, but are still wrestling with disbelief. A amen. They have seen what God has done in their lives. There's really no excuse for unbelief. There's really no excuse for disbelief. Amen. God has already done enough. More than enough. You've heard that song they sing now. If he doesn't do anything else for me, he's already done enough. And so there's no excuse for disbelief. There's no excuse for unbelief. God has brought you too far. God has done too many things for you, for you to be a victim of unbelief. You were hungry and he fed you. You were sick and he healed you. You needed a job and he gave you a job. You needed transportation and he gave you a car. You needed a house, he gave you a house. He's done too much for you, for you to have to deal with disbelief or unbelief. Amen. Amen. We got to remove the grave clothes of disbelief. 
We've already been resurrected. We've got to deal with that. Amen. We've already seen what God has done in our lives. We are living witnesses. We are eyewitnesses. But doubt whether God is real and truly has the power to transform and uplift our lives. Amen. Despite what God has done to change our lives and the lives of those around us. Amen. Amen. They still, some people still doubt whether God has the power to redeem them through his sanctifying grace. There are still people who've been resurrected, but they still ponder the power and the possibilities of God after being resurrected. I'm glad that I found out that every day is full of possibilities. Amen. Amen. Every day. Every day. I have a personal friend of mine, Pastor Venice, who owns a mortuary. And I love to tease him and I ask him, I say, has anybody been resurrected over there yet? And he said, Farrell, you know ain't nobody come back to life in no mortuary. And I said, I don't know. Don't be careful. Don't touch him. For the God that I serve, yeah, I don't know which one you serve, but the God that I serve can do anything and everything. Amen. He has all power in heaven and earth in his hand. Amen. So I'm learning not to doubt God. Amen. I'm learning that God can do anything but fail. Amen. He keeps on proving himself. Has he proven himself to you? Come on, don't fool me now. Has he proven himself to you? And he just keeps on making a way for me. Lord, have mercy. Amen. I've been broke. I went to church broke, came home with money, and didn't ask nobody for a dime. God just keeps on making a way for me. Hallelujah. And I've discovered that if you trust him, and if you try him, and if you wait on him, he will make a way. Is there anybody in here tonight that knows that God will make a way? He'll make a way, I tell you. Yeah. 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 And, and as he makes a, a way for me, it, it, he, it, it affects my mentality. I, I'm learning to look at life as he looks at life. Amen. And, and, and I'm learning to live as though God has all power. Now, if you believe that God has all power, it ought to affect how you live. Hey, you ought not have to wait till Sunday on Ravina to give God some praise. I said you ought not have to wait till Sunday morning when you are dressed a certain way and come on Ravina Avenue to give God some praise. 
I tell you, you ought to be able to shout in your blue jeans with your gym shoes on whenever you think about how far God has brought you and all he's done for you. You ought to have to excuse yourself every once in a while say, I'll be back. Have to go somewhere and give God some praise and some glory because he's been just that good to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. So when we, when we live as though God has all power, amen and conduct ourselves as though God has all power. Amen. Then, then we can give him the honor that is due his name. Amen. Amen. So we can take off disbelief and despair and defeat and all of that kind of stuff because he has all power in his hands. Amen. That's why I tell folk at St. Mark that when you come to church, you ought to have to have seatbelts on the pews. You don't need no praise and worship team to fire you up. You don't need no choir to sing you happy. You don't need nobody to tell you to stand up. They ought to have to tell you to sit down, but you don't need nobody to tell you to stand up. When you think about all he's done for you, I can't get no witness in here. When you think about all he's done for you and how he brought you from a mighty long way, you ought to come in the door shout. You ought to come in the place giving God glory, giving God praise, because he's been just that good. Yeah. Yes. 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 So my brothers and my sisters, all I'm trying to tell you tonight is that there are those who've been resurrected, but they are not living as victors. They're living more as weary warriors. Amen. And we feed each other's faith. Amen. Amen. We feed each other's faith and we feed each other's fears. So when you come to church, you ought to have a smile on your face. Amen. Amen. You ought to have a smile on your face. And if you see somebody without one, loan them one of yours. Amen. Amen. Advertise God's goodness. Amen. Advertise it. Tell everybody how good he's been to you. Show it. Amen. 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 So my brothers and my sisters, just as Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, so is he able and willing to raise us from defeatist attitudes. Amen. Yes, God's love will lift us. God's grace will enable us. God's justice will liberate us. And God's peace will calm us. God's mercy will quicken us. 
and God's joy will prompt us. God's salvation will make us new creatures. Amen. Amen. The God we serve is a God of life. It's a God of power. He's a God of love. He's a God of redemption, a God of grace, the God of resurrection, a God of joy, a God of wholeness, life, and vitality. Amen. Pastor, sometimes on Sunday morning, amen, at St. Mark, you know, there's some folk who come to church and uh, you want to dismiss them early. Uh, yeah. I, I know you don't have none like that at, at New Missions, but every once in a while at St. Mark, we have a few folk, you know, we're singing and they look so sour, you know, and some, and sometimes I want to come out to the pulpit and ask them, what happened, baby? What's, what's the matter? Huh? You know, I, I, every time I come to church, I protest against dead, dull, dry, lifeless worship. I promised the Lord a long time ago that I may not be able to praise him like you praise him, but I'm going to give him some praise because he's been just that good to me. And I can't speak for nobody else, but I want you to know that he brought me from a mighty long way. And if you knew how good he's been to me, you shout with me. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you because he's been just that good. Amen. Say it with me one more time. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, we got to take off these grave clothes. God bless you. God keep you.